Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Before I talk to my guests, I want to read you something from The Hill Times, because it all is about this. Immigration Minister John McCallum says the government will be, quote, producing radical changes, end quote, to the Citizenship Act in the next few weeks. Liberals have been telling him that the government should eliminate the language test for new immigrants to apply for Canadian citizenship, which was brought in by the Conservatives in 2014 as part of the controversial Bill C-24. Mr. McCallum told the Hill Times that he's aware of the concerns and will make an announcement in a few weeks' time. Quote, We're going to be producing radical changes to the citizenship bill. We're going to be announcing the details of those changes in just a few weeks. Liberal MPs told the Hill Times that although they want new immigrants to acquire proficiency in both or at least one of the two official languages of Canada, it's also a question of fairness, saying the language requirements disenfranchise new immigrants from their right to take part in the political process. Quote, it's a big problem the way the system's been set up under the previous government for language requirements, said rookie Liberal MP Sean Chen, whose writing has the highest visible minority population of 90.1% in the country. But in some cases, MPs said new immigrants failed to achieve the required proficiency for a variety of reasons. For example, some immigrants come to Canada under the family sponsorship program, so parents or grandparents... Uh, and may not have any knowledge or a limited understanding of English or French. At that age, MP said, it becomes an uphill battle for some to learn a new language. Also, when new immigrants move to Canada, the first priority is for them to provide for their family and take care of their expenses, and a significant number take up any odd job to earn a living, which can mean they don't have the time to learn a new language, MP said. What a crock. What a total crock. If you're in line to come to Canada as an immigrant... You can learn the language or enough of the language to pass the proficiency test before you get here. From the time you make the application to enter Canada to the time you arrive in Canada as an immigrant, you have the the time to learn the language. And if you're going to succeed, you'd like to think that you'd want to be able to communicate in one of the official languages of the country you're moving to. What a crock. Now, I'll accept that in family cases, in some cases, elderly people will have difficulty learning a language. I don't have a problem with that. But I think this whole idea that you can't learn the language, you don't have time to learn the language, is a total crock. I just want to make sure you understand how I feel about it. I don't want to be wishy or washy on it. It's a crock. My friends will probably disagree with me. Well, one of them will. Richard Curland, immigration lawyer, one of the best in the country, who advises both federal and Quebec governments. By the way, the Quebec divorce has Quebec has its own immigration rules and laws, and they won't change anything. And Ottawa won't go after Quebec because they never have. They haven't got the guts to go after Quebec because they want the Quebec vote. And let's not forget the prime minister is a Quebec MP, Martin Collicutt, is former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, and uh, they both joined us from Vancouver. All right, Mr. Curland, where am I most wrong? Oh, my goodness, most wrong. Well, the thing is, Canada changed the rules for language on the immigration front during the past 10 years, so that if you're coming in the economic class, for the most part, mandatory independent third-party language tests mean that we're screening in 
folks who can uh, speak English or French, and we're screening out people who can't. So how big a problem is it that some of our most elderly immigrants, oh, come on, grandparents Richie. and parents... I already said I don't have a problem with the elderly. Here's, here's where we... Here's where I don't have a problem with the elderly, Richard. Then, then you can't hold their feet to the fire. I'm not. I, I said I didn't have a problem with the elderly. I understand the elderly have difficulty learning a language potential. We're not just talking about the elderly. Is the next category would be spouses. And uh, what are you going to do? If a couple falls in love and the foreign spouse can't pass muster for, uh, for English or French language, are you going to close the door on that couple? Let me read from the Hill Times. In some cases, MP said new immigrants failed to achieve the required proficiency for a variety of reasons. All right. Good. What are the, what are the acceptable reasons? Are you telling uh, me that, uh, Martin, let me get you, let me get your thoughts too, Martin. I, I, we're going to have to take a break in a minute here because I rattled on at the beginning. Where am I wrong, Martin? Well, uh, I think you're not only right, you're probably not even right enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a huge problem with language and the liberals want to water down the requirements. I don't think we're talking about spouses. I think we're talking about working people. And what some uh, liberal MPs have said is that uh, um, some of these people do very well in Canada, contribute to the economy, and can't speak enough English to pass the exam. Well, the problem is this, that recent immigrants, largely because they can't speak enough English, have cost Canadian taxpayers around $30 billion a year because their earnings are lower than immigrants used to be. They don't pay as much in taxes, and, uh, and, and the Canadian taxpayer is paying for it. And a large part of that is because they don't speak enough English or don't speak it well enough. No way! It doesn't cost taxpayers $30 billion. It does. If they, if they upgraded their English language skills, they would earn $30 billion more. No, it's costing they, – they, if they upgraded them enough, then we'd split even. But the latest research, and that goes up to 2014, shows that we Canadian taxpayers are paying $30 billion to support recent immigrants. That's in about the last three No, no, no. They were talking about language. You show me, show me any report with a, with a $30 billion price tag to teach English to immigrants, I'll, I'll side with you. It's not just English, but that's one of the biggest single problems. Uh, Australia makes sure people can speak enough English before they get there for the type of job they need, and they do that. We don't. We say, well, maybe you speak a little English, and but uh, yeah. And Richard, you were talking about the. Were you talking about business class? No, immigrants. Well, that's the weak one. But here's the. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Let me just re- let me just read. Just let me just read. Let me just read from the Hill Times. Then we'll have to take a break, and we'll continue. We'll include callers. Also, when new immigrants move to Canada, the first priority for them is to provide for their families, and take care of their expenses. And a significant number take up any odd job to earn a living, which can mean they don't have the time to learn a new language. MP say, "What a crock! If you learn the language, you'll be able to get better jobs." And you'll be able to contribute better to the can to the Canadian economy, and you'll be able to look after your own welfare and your own well-being in a far more efficient manner with a much more positive future. Where am I wrong, Mr. Curland? Eh, you're 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 wrong in the sense that the change has already happened. 
Today, you cannot immigrate to this country in the skilled worker class unless you have a command of English. That ship you're describing sailed long ago. Well, why is Mr. McCallum talking about it now? Because... They, why are the MPs talking about it now? Because they're, they're preparing the ground for modifications to the Citizenship Act. No, no, it's, radical change. They, they're saying... Radical change. change. Uh, wasn't modifications, Richard. Uh, Mr. McCallum is quoted as saying, producing radical changes. I'd like to see some radical change in that citizenship act, because there are some things that require change. Either we change it with Parliament, or we're going to change it in the courts. So it is time for radical change in what used to be called C-24, no doubt about it. Canadians are about to get rights, and that is a rarity in Western democratic societies yep. these days, this government is going to add rights to Canadian citizens, where previous governments took them away. These are people who aren't yet Canadian citizens. Uh, the government plans to lower the English requirements, which is going to make it even more expensive than $30 billion a year. And uh, it doesn't make any sense unless it means they'll get more votes for the Liberal parties because they can let in a lot of people who have trouble integrating economically and socially, but they're going to vote liberal. We're missing it, folks. Well, I have to take, guys, I have to take a break. We'll come back. I'll just leave you with this, again, from the Hill Times story. Liberal MPs said they want to return to the citizenship application process that was in place before the Stephen Harper Conservatives came to power in 2006. At that time, the language test was not required. New immigrants applying for citizenship between the ages of 18 and 54 had to write a multiple-choice knowledge test about Canada in English or French, and no language test was required. New immigrants over the age of 54 did not have to write any test. Skilled worker class, Richard, did the Harper government in, uh, make it mandatory to be able to handle one of our official languages? Yes, in effect, yes, it did. Okay. And it was brought in incrementally. So you agree with it then? Now. So you agree with it or not? Completely agree with it. Well, what do you and disagree with? They're going to change that, uh, Richard. They're going to. No, we're talking about immigration and citizenship, two different things. If you're here as an immigrant, you speak English. So the proposed change to the Citizenship Act language requirements is a push because you already speak English or you don't immigrate. Well, then and why you can are the use... liberals changing the ages uh, so that you don't have to speak English? Uh, and that's uh, the key you're question. When uh, they're changing it and making it worse. Why are they pure, changing it? If... Pure politics, and that's the sure value decision. And okay, gentlemen, I have to take that break I was telling you about. We will come back with Richard Curlin, Martin Collicutt, and we will be including your calls at 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255 on The Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Citizenship and Immigration Minister John McCallum promises radical changes to the Citizenship Act. He's under pressure from Liberal MPs to drop the official language's proficiency test, which must be passed before citizenship is granted. And uh, we're talking about coming into the country and uh, as well, and having an ability in English or French, and that's what some MPs, Liberal MPs, also want to see changed. They want to see a lot of things changed. Prior to uh, Bill C-24, there was no requirement to uh, have a specific proficiency in either English or French. Uh, Richard Curland, immigration lawyer, Martin Collicutt, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, 
They're my go-to experts on the issue of anything that has to do with immigration and citizenship. Uh, I asked you to call in as well. Aziz is calling in from Calgary. Aziz, you've been listening. What do you make of the situation? Uh, I have many thoughts, but I'll just narrow it down to one point or two. Um, If you come to this country as a tourist, you don't need to pass any uh, English prerequisite. Now, we have a problem. We have a very generous social uh, infrastructure program, social welfare, social services, and we want open borders. Well, you can't have them at the same time. You either have closed borders, selective immigration, and a generous social program for the citizens, or you have no social programs and open borders. You can't have both. Liberals want both, and that's wrong. All right. And on the, on the language issue? The language issue, like I said, is not a problem at all. Whether they know or they don't, I think it's better to avoid uh, to know some language, to avoid exploitation, to get tricked into voting this or to get tricked out of your money. But if you were a tourist coming to Canada, you don't need a prerequisite language. It's just how uh, our social programs are very generous, and the liberals want to have open borders, and you can't have can't have both. Can't have program. your cake. Can't have your cake yeah. and eat it too. Yeah, you need to have closed borders for generous social programs or open borders and no social programs. All right, my friend, thank you very much for the call. Let's take one more call, then we'll go back to Richard and Martin. Jeff is in London. Hi, Roy. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Just uh, regarding uh, the language requirement, uh, it's a fundamental business uh, rule that if you can't communicate, errors are going to happen. And when you have errors, uh, it costs money. And and that's just, if you can't communicate in general, it's going to cost you money. And uh, like the one gentleman referred to, that the people could be taken advantage of if you can't communicate uh, properly with the, the language. So I don't understand the liberals' stance on that at all. You're happy with the way things were under Bill C-24? Yeah. All right. Jeff, thank you very much. Richard? Well, I like evidence to settle the question. What is so magical about age 54, age 64? I don't know. Uh, And evidence must be brought in front of the parliamentary committee system uh, that will advise our politicians regarding the impact of the selection of one age versus the other. I don't know know why they do that. I I don't know why. There must be some sort of voting um, motivation. But 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 when you heard the callers... You heard Aziz say, you can't have your cake, and eat it too. And when we talk about tourists, most of the people who come to Canada as tourists probably have some knowledge of English anyway, because English is the dominant language in the world. And that became fact when the internet went English. So they, I, tourists would have some, some fundamental knowledge of, of English. Martin, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm managing the clock, and I want to hear all this brilliant conversation at the same time. Well, the ages of 55 and 65 aren't an apt uh, accident. Most people are retired by the age of 65. They're still working at 55, or if they're not, they're a drag on the economy. So those, those, those ages weren't chosen by chance. And uh, again, um, the reason why the Conservatives did this was that it's been pretty categorically proved that immigrants immigrants right now are costing us $30 billion a year, largely, and not only, but to a large extent because of their lack of English. So why we want to lower the... uh, 
the standard of English required is beyond me, except to get more, uh, you know, get more people citizenship so they can vote for the Liberals. It doesn't Ouch. make any sense whatsoever. Mr. Curland, you're saying to what Mr. Collicut is saying, to what the ambassador is saying, wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, well, it just that thirty billion magic figure has nothing to do with citizenship. But the main thing is this: I would like to see the political polling that may have been done in marginal swing ridings, where if there would be a sudden influx of older voters from immigrant communities, what would the political results be? Uh-huh. Does this does this age drop favor? A particular political party? That's the question. Richard, this whole issue is about votes. Always. It's about votes. This Any changes, any radical changes that Mr. McCallum is going to bring to C-24 will have to do with votes. They're fighting the next election campaign today. I don't see any reason, I don't see how it's to the benefit of the immigrant to come to Canada and not have appropriate English or French language skills. I don't know how you become, how you're in Canada long enough to qualify for citizenship and don't acquire English and or French language skills, unless, as I said at the beginning, you're an elderly person, and then that can be significantly difficult. We know that. We're going to have to take a break. We'll come back. We'll do more on this. And we'll bring into the uh, conversation as well Will the Liberals change the part of Bill C-24, which would have any individual who's convicted of a terrorist act, of a um, violent act against Canada and Canadians, or participate in a war with another country against Canada, uh, have them lose their Canadian citizenship if they are dual citizens? That's going to disappear because Justin Trudeau said it would during the election campaign if he became Prime Minister. And we know what happened on October the 19th. More calls from you as well at 888-225-8255 on The Green Show. We're back with Martin Collicutt, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon. Richard Curland, uh, immigration lawyer in Vancouver, advises uh, the federal and the Quebec governments on immigration matters. Richard, what advice would you give? If you're sitting down with with, uh, John McCallum, and you now know that he said in the Hill Times reports that he's going to make radical changes not modest changes or moderate, like you said earlier, but radical changes to Bill C-24, the Citizenship Act. What would you advise uh, the the minister to do, and what would you advise him not to do? And let's deal with languages, official languages. Well, with language... Understanding he's going to make changes. Changes are on the horizon, the near horizon. And with language... Uh, the issue will be, can you show any evidence that would justify the lowering of the age? Uh, or is there any evidence that uh, justifies any age at all? If, if you could possibly go to your public servants or the academic communities to troll for evidence, that would be useful in your determination. On the other things, such as revocations, I would simply say, Good on you, because a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. There should not be two types of Canadians, people born here and people naturalized. People naturalized because of C-24, some of them, and, and one is too many, face revocation of their citizenship by a public servant with a, a simple administrative process 
no oral hearing, no testing the evidence. And that puts a, an individual <laughs> in limbo, theoretically, for well, years. Well, just a sec. If we're talking about that revocation of citizenship, we have one example. One of the co-leaders of the Toronto 18, who was convicted of acts of, or planning acts of terrorism, had his citizenship revoked, his Canadian citizenship, and he now will have to return, unless the government, and I'm sure they will, they said they will, change the rule, and he would have to go to Pakistan, which is his other citizenship. What is it that would, what is it that would make it, Martin, what would be wrong with saying someone who has dual citizenship, Canadian and another, and is com- convicted of a, a criminal act, a terrorism act, against Canada, against Canadians, what would be wrong in revocating the citizenship? How does that change what Richard just said, a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian? Well, I think, uh, I think we've got to distinguish. I mean, um, naturalized Canadians are treated almost exactly the same as people born here. But I don't see why we have to accept someone from another country and not make them guarantee that they won't commit major terrorist or criminal acts. And I don't have a problem with uh, removing them if they do that, if they've got somewhere else to go, because most other countries are now starting to do it. We're the exception. So the sort of golden rule that once you've got been naturalized, you're here forever, no matter how much you break your pledges and promises. Uh, I don't buy that. Okay. If we go back to do with them, if we go back, if we go back to put them jail, if they break our criminal code with terrorism, subversion, murder, jail is the outcome. So I won't go on a but how does that create country X? I uh, want Richard, them to go to jail. Richard, how does it? And I want to go back to language in a minute. How how does it change anything for Canada and Canadians if you revoke the citizenship of someone who has another citizenship? They're not going to do, turn anybody stateless. How how does it change the parameters for Canada and Canadians if you revoke the citizenship of someone who's committed a terrorist act, who's been convicted of committing a terrorist act against Canada and Canadians? How does it change things? You need to, and I know this is almost quote-unquote liberal party mantra, you truly need to consult the public when you ask a question like that. And it's I have. In, in the course of my travels with, with our, 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 our public services and uh, transportation, taxi guys, uh, Joe in the street who came to Canada, they all gave me the same message, which was, we will live in fear that tomorrow it could be us for any new oh, reason. Oh, come on. Seriously. Come on, Richard. This is this is what I hear. We're talking about somebody who's been convicted in a court of law of committing a terrorist act against Canada, not no, a cabbie. No, no. It is not the commission of a terrorist offense. Here's the question I put in the parliamentary committee. I said, today, it's terrorism. Can you confirm to me that tomorrow it will not be murderers, then pedophiles, then serious crimes? Are you willing to commit you will never go there? Silence was the answer from the government. Well, if there are times that a government makes decisions such as those, in a democratic society like ours, you can turf out the government, and the subsequent government can change things back, as the liberal government appears to be ready to do 
with Bill, Bill C-24, which the conservatives put in power, put in, put, in, put in place. Martin, before I get to another call, I want to hear what you wanted to say there. Sorry. Well, um, yeah, I don't think the idea that if you take tough measures, you're going down automatically going down a slippery slope. I don't think that's going to happen in Canada. I think the government would use this measure, uh, any government, very rarely. So it's only been used once. Th- Pardon? It's only been used once. Yeah, so I, you know, the, uh, and as though Canada's in danger of becoming a uh, a completely autocratic, dictatorial uh, state on the term of a, a turn of a dime. One, one other issue I hope we can discuss is one of the other radical changes John McCallum wants to make, and that is to double the quota for sponsored parents and grandparents. I think that's a very uh, idiotic move, to put it briefly. We may not have time. We may not have time today. But we will certainly, in, in, in a subsequent show, because we're into the last 15 minutes of our segment, Natalie's been holding on that, that in Niagara, Ontario. Up, I'm sure. I'm sorry? I'm sure that question will come up. Oh, I'm sure it will. We'll make sure it comes up. Natalie, go ahead in Niagara. Hello, Roy Hi. and guests. Um, I am a, I'm an immigrant, and you can tell that from my accent. You can also tell that I'm relatively fluent in English. I came to Canada in mid-70s when I was young. I was in my late 20s. My parents were in their early 40s. So this baloney, total nonsense, to be polite, about length quota, uh, age quotas for uh, when someone can learn a language is totally stupid and idiotic. And uh, it's, it's what liberals do. They practice racism of lower expectations of people. People are capable of learning a language, at least enough to be reasonably functional. It's already been stated by... Uh, Roy or um, I think it's uh, Richard, I'm not sure, uh, that uh, this is just a trickery being played by the liberals in order to gain votes, gain electorate, and create a dependent class that will always require liberals for handouts. All right, Natalie, thank you very much for your call. I'm going to get another opinion on this, and we'll go back to our guests. Jean is in London, Ontario. Hi, Jean. Yes, hello. Hi, go ahead, please. Yes, um, I'd like to know, how does this benefit all Canadians, these changes that Mm. John, the immigration minister, John McCallum, is planning to make? How does that benefit all Canadians? I can see how it would benefit the Liberals um, with uh, future voters and guaranteeing them a a majority government next time uh, the election comes. But I can't see how that benefits all Canadians. And where's the money coming from? Mr. Curlin, how, Mr. Curlin, how does it benefit all Canadians? That is one of the most refreshing comments I have heard in such a long time. That is one of my primary litmus tests for policy. How does it benefit most Canadians? It would benefit most Canadians to drill down. If you have language proficiency, it, it may cost less on the social service side. If you don't have language proficiency, you're, you're, you're going to have a harder time just living in our open, free, democratic society. That costs us with special services. And so we need to motivate people to attain language capability to ascend to Canadian citizenship. Richard, Richard do I, have you switched sides during the show? Not at all. Okay. It's the same message. It's, it's a question of evidence. If I and may say so, I really don't see um, that much benefit to Canadians. In fact, I think it'll cost us more in the long run. 
All right. Thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate your call. We'll take another break. We'll come back with the ambassador and with the immigration lawyer and talk more about this. And if you have a thought or comment you want to pass along, 888-225-8255. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Twitter at The Roy Green Show. We're back after this. Going to get back to Richard Curland and Martin Collicut, the immigration lawyer and the ambassador in a minute. I want to tell you, first of all, though, of course, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so go ahead and spring for the roses and the chocolates. Then give something your loved one may not believe is even possible. The gift of a joint pain-free life. For me, there's only one way to accomplish this, with Sierra Sil Joint Formula 14 or Joint Formula Active. They're all natural, all mineral, and according to a listener to the Roy Green Show, all miracle too. Call 1-877-ROY-1020. Order your Valentine's Day gift of Sierra Sil. You can also visit RoyGreenShow.com and click on the green Sierra Sil tab and read why Sierra Sil is the number one bestseller at many natural product stores across Canada. Pick up your Sierra Sil at Rexall Pharmacies or London Drugs as well. Whether it's online, in person, or by phone, provide the person you love the amazing gift of a joint pain-free life with Sierra Sil Joint Formula 14 or Joint Formula Active. And while you're at it, on a record-breaking cold winter day in the east, remember your four-legged pal and order Sierra Sil Pet Shoes, just like yours, with a little special flavor for your buddy. Roses and chocolates are fine. Pain-free Sierra Sil living? That's wonderful. one roy 1020 A couple of comments uh, on uh, Twitter, at the Roy Green Show. Uh, what do we got here? Webb uh, writes, um, When I immigrated to Canada, the form said, If I'm not fluent in English or French, don't even apply. Stands to reason. And, um, Joan, I taught ESL to immigrants over 40, illiterate in first language, so I agree. At John McCallum's rationale is a crock. And Jan writes, the liberals are a crock. It's a favorite word of this hour. Crock. <laughs> and we're not talking about shoes or amphibians with scaly skin. Although some liberals have been known to be that way. Amphibian and with scaly skin. I've often said politicians are like bananas. Yellow on the outside and squishy on the inside. I could go on. <laughs> I, I could go, sure I I could go on. This wrong. It's a rough day. This I could rough, go on. Rough day. I could go on. Give me another three minutes and Chris Rock's got nothing on me. <laughs> Ambassador Collicutt and immigration lawyer Richard Curland. It's a, it's a serious issue, and it affects us all. It's language. It's how we communicate. The official languages of Canada, last time I looked, were English and French. Well, to interject, you see, the, of the course. thing is that Ottawa I was going to make sense, and you interject. Ottawa has <laughs> leaned on the provinces. The provinces now select more than 60% of skilled workers coming to this country. The provinces are responsible now for ensuring the immigrant speaks English or French. And guess what? That's exactly what they've been doing. They've changed their policy. In the olden days, if you couldn't pass the federal language standard, you applied through the province and and escaped. Language-free, quote-unquote. Not today. So everyone has recognized in Canada, provincially and federally, the importance of knowing at least one of our 
uh, official languages. The rules have been well, but changed. But that's not the rocket science. In all are, are proficient. Richard, it's not rocket science. If you have two official languages in a country and you're moving to the country, or if you intend to make the country your home by becoming a citizen, you'd need to know at least one. You'd think you'd want to know one of the official languages. You'd think so, it's to it's your ultimate advantage and to the country's advantage. Uh, Well, it took 20 years to make those adjustments to the Canadian immigration system because it's so political. Yeah, you're right about that. And that's the problem. To require language either portrays you as anti-immigrant or portrays you as being against a very important group of potential Canadian voters. See, the problem here as well is, Martin, one of the problems is labels get hurled at people. And if you care about the labels that are hurled at you, and they they can then hurt you because you start to react and modify your behavior. I don't give a damn about labels. I know who I am. I know what I am. But other people do, are affected by labels, and politics takes advantage of that. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, I, I get labels thrown at me sometimes because I criticize immigration program, and I did under the conservatives because you I did. they were bringing in far too many people and they weren't applying enough resources to screening them and, and, and advising them on what to expect in Canada. And I was extremely critical and just by way of disclosure, I'm not a member of any party, including the Conservatives. But the fact is that they did make some improvements and now the Liberals are going to roll those back. Um, and I voted Liberal just as often as I voted Conservative. But but this is ridiculous. What what the uh, government seems to be now talking about? Well, it you know, when you're in power, in the interests of Canadians. When you're in power for ninety days, ninety days or a hundred days, uh, they they released all the photographs, intimate photographs, not not that intimate, but you know, personal photographs. Well, I'd hold the, off on the pitch fire for the moment. The what? Because the, the hold on, hold on. law proposed changes hasn't been made public yet. Well, we know he used the word radical, so let me talk to Gil in Edmonton. Gil, go ahead, please. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you are saying their labels are thrown. I think uh, I'm not a, li- a big supporter of the liberals, but I-, I think enough labels have been thrown at the liberals, number one. Number two, I have lived in the city, uh, this country for 40 years. This country was not the greatest country in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It became the best country in the world in the 90s because of the immigrants. This uh, ambassador you have, he has never liked immigrants. Never. Oh, no. On record. Gil, 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 first of all, the country was an excellent, great country before the 1990s. Immigrants, hold on, immigrants, immigrants played played a major role in developing Canada. That's the whole, that's the whole structure of a significant part of this country. No, no, give me uh, English now. Now talk about English. By and large, 90%, 80 to 90% of the people who come here, they can speak one of the official languages. But the family class people, only parents and uh, grandparents, very few there are who lack the skills. For example, people from India, they are mostly teachers, civil servants, they are fluent in English. Right. So this nonsense by this ambassador is a lie. What did you say, Martin? Well, that's complete. Utter what, what, what did he say? I, I only have a Gil. I only have a minute. My parents are immigrants. My wife's an immigrant from Asia, and I support well, good immigration. No, what there is one. Is group, right. There is one bad immigration. All right. I have less than a minute, Gil. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to pick this up, and we'll talk about family class immigration going forward. Less than a minute, Martin. Well. 
I, I think I said uh, what I have to say. I think if the liberals are going to make any changes, they've got to do what they promised to make them evidence-based, because none of what they're talking about now is based on any sensible evidence at all. All right. And uh, final comment from you, Richard? I just uh, defend my friend Martin Collicott by saying there may be one group where potentially the racist label could, in theory, apply, Romulans. He, he has this thing for Romulans and Klingons. I don't know where it comes from, but there you go. There is no way Ambassador, former Ambassador Collicott is a racist in any way, shape, or form. No. So Collar's dead wrong. And here's something else. Throwing labels at political parties? Boy, they deserve it. They'll get it. The conservatives got it. The liberals are getting it. Nobody is immune. The NDP got it. And that's the way it is. You go into political life, you're going to be criticized, and you will be subjected to labeling at times. If the label fits, that's the way it is. Anyway, Martin, Richard, thank you so much, guys. I've got to go, and uh, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. Thank you. you, Thanks, gentlemen. We'll come right back.